Our title tonight for our conversation is God is able. Now, if I was to say to you, church, is God able? You would say, amen. amen. We could maybe try it for effect. God is able. Amen. amen. And many of us have a theology about the ability of God. Many of us have worked out in our minds that God has a capacity to do whatever he chooses to do, to whomever he chooses to do it to. God is truly able. Do you know God can heal the sick? How able is he to heal the sick? He's very able, very capable. It is not a stretch for him <laughs> to be able to bring life to a part of the human body that's broken or in need of God's touch. Amen. God is able. And it's easy for us sometimes to have that theology and not to apply ourselves to seeing that ability come to pass. Sometimes we like the idea of God healing people. We believe he can heal people. But in fact, if we're really honest, we're not going to allow God to use us to do so. We're a little bit embarrassed about praying for people, a little bit embarrassed about reaching out to somebody who has a difficulty. We get a little self-conscious. My hope is that we'll be more God-conscious than we are self-conscious. I think we probably see some of his abilities turn up in some of our difficulties far more regularly. So God is able to do what he desires to do, and he desires to bring healing and restoration to the human soul. But God wants to use you so that his ability through you brings life to someone else around you. Amen? So in many ways, we could be a hindrance to the ability of God to move in power. It's not a nice thought to have, but actually when I think back over my life, I realize over and over and over again, I've got in the way of a few things. You know, I just didn't feel brave enough or confident enough or courageous enough or I wasn't quite sure how to word it or how to do it. But, you know, I've started to learn in these more recent years of my life, I just need to do it. I just need to do it. I just need to pray for people and watch what God does. I could spend the rest of my life working out how he does it, but I just need to do it. Amen. As we step towards this new decade, let's just not have a theology about the ability of God. Let's make ourselves available for that ability to work through us. Here's another thing that we need to think about, and I think it's important for me to say out loud, is for the longest time I've been praying that God would use me to win some people to faith, to actually touch some people's lives with faith. The difficulty with that is my life is so busy and I don't see anybody where I live. I go out in the morning when it's dark and I come back when it's even darker. It's very difficult to kind of build relationships over a garden fence when you see people every six months. Don't you find? And sometimes in the busyness of my Christian life, I can miss out on some of the beautiful things that God could do just sitting around a dinner table or chatting to people over a garden fence because God is able to reach people. God cares about people. Amen. God is interested in everybody that you're disinterested in. Touch your neighbor and say, I think he might be talking to you. <laughs> God is interested in everyone. God cares about everyone. And every time we turn up in someone else's life, it's an opportunity for him to reflect that to that individual. In fact, just today, I had the great privilege of leading two people to the Lord here in these seats just around there. I'm so excited about that. It's been a few years. You know, it's not quite the same as standing on a platform and bringing people forward. Whenever you're sitting next to somebody and you're chatting with them, God is able. And you know, I thought, I'll just do it. 
I just thought, I'll do it. I'll put my theology into practice. I believe that God cares for people. Amen. Come on, talk to me. I believe he cares for people. I believe that God orchestrates the steps of the righteous. Amen. So it wasn't accidental that it was me that was talking to these two wonderful individuals. And I must have some confidence, not because I'm a minister, but because I've seen the way God has moved over many, many years, that God may take the foolish things and use this foolish thing to confound the wisdom that sometimes is presented as an obstacle to the truth of the gospel. And right round about where you two are sitting, that lady nodding your head, this wonderful young couple gave their hearts and their lives to Jesus today. And I don't know about you, you're not that excited, but I'm actually very excited about that. I think that's a really good thing. But it's not enough. How about setting a goal for the decade where I can lead somebody to Jesus every day of my life? I mean, I set all kinds of goals. I want to be thinner, taller, blonder, browner. I've got them all, you know, I've had them all over the years. But, but actually, what about sending a, a godly goal and say, Father, I would love just to have the opportunity to partner with you and the power of your spirit in bringing someone every day of my life into your loving heavenly arms. What a wonderful goal for the decade that lies ahead. What about this, taking my theology and opening up a possibility for God who is able to do whatever he desires to do. Father, every time I see somebody that's in need of prayer for anything, I'm going to be bold enough to step away from my insecurity and step towards what I believe is my destiny, and that is to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Can you imagine if we all set goals like that for the decade? That's 365 people each year. Can you imagine that? And you may think that's ridiculous. You may think, what an excessive goal to have. What a ridiculous mandate to offer the church to think that that could be a possibility. But church, I think sometimes we just don't think that gloriously about what God is inviting us to. If God is able, are you able to turn up and at least be available? If God is able, are you able to allow him to use you to be able to extend his love, his passion and his heart to others? If God is truly able, that means you don't have to be able. You just have to be available for all that God wants to do. How about this for a goal? As we face this new decade together, I believe we're invited to align our lives with the power of God, partnering with him to see great change. I wonder as you look across the span of the decade that's opening up to us, what does your imagination believe God can do? Take that redeemed imagination and dream the dreams of God for this decade that lies ahead. Because you know God has dreams. He dreams for you. He dreams for cities. He dreams for nations. He dreams for continents. God has a plan to prosper and to bless. And he invites us to partner with him to that end. I wonder what God will do, even if we were a little more intentional about his ability and turned up more regularly what could happen over this decade. And in Ephesians 3 verse 20, Paul reminds us that that's our invitation. He says these words, now to him, amen, to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his great power 
that is at work in us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This could be the decade whenever that glorious ability of God meets us in the ordinary and the everyday of our lives. This could be the decade where our expectations are far surpassed by his abilities. This could be the decade whenever we look back after these 10 years, we'll reflect on his mercies being new every morning, his faithfulness being great, and his power turning up in our weakness. This is the decade where we need to posture our hearts for all that God wants to do. And we're invited by him to move beyond some ways we think and to step into this glorious adventure where the God who can do immeasurably beyond anything we ask or imagine invites us to partner with him to make his kingdom come. This is the decade where we will see realms of his goodness like we've never seen. Where we'll see his power move in ways we have never comprehended. This is the decade where breakthroughs will happen and all we did was turn up and say hallelujah or amen and God moved in power through our ability. This is the decade where debt will be wiped out. And this is the decade where we will be indebted to the God who loves and delights in us and will sow our lives into his purposes and his plans. This is the decade where God's going to reveal his character to us. There are things we've not quite seen fully just yet about who he truly is. And at the end of this decade, we will see some of the deep, glorious and wonderful aspects of his nature and his character. This is the decade where you are going to have an upgraded mindset as you start to imagine with God the possibility through God and God is going to open up your life to great and glorious adventure. This is the decade where God is going to move in power. Paul announces it, he proclaims it, he declares it and actually just before this he's praising God, he's thanking God for his love and his affection and his goodness and something shifts in his spirit and he shifts out of praise into proclamation. He shifts away from just adoring God for his goodness and he starts to announce that God is about to move through his goodness and through his power to impact other people. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably beyond anything we imagine or ask. This is the decade where our imaginations are going to be stretched where our capacity to see God is going to be increased, where our hearts are going to be enlarged, our territory absolutely profoundly extended. This is the decade that you've been waiting for. This is the decade that God's been inviting you to. This is the decade of breakthrough where God will turn up in power and rewrite the story of people's lives. But it's going to require something of us. We're going to have to move from certain things and posture our hearts in certain ways for all that God wants to do. Because we have a new invitation. And that invitation is not just to praise him, which is great. And we've been doing that so gloriously tonight. But we are invited to partner with him to proclaim a move of God. Now for many, many years people have said to me, you shouldn't say God is about to move. But I believe God always wants to move. I believe it's God's great heart that he would move in power in and through the church. I believe God is waiting for us to come into alignment with him so that his power can be released through us and bring glory to him. This is the year where I want to live with a consistent expectation that God is going to do something great. It's a year of change and I want my mind and the posture of my heart to move out of self-reliance 
and to move towards God dependence. There's an invitation here to live in the reality and the ability of the power of God. There's an invitation here to live by faith and consistently have an expectation in every ordinary part of my life that God is about to do something extraordinary. This is the decade where I need to move beyond some old defining realities that have shaped my mind and conditioned my heart to such a point that I can't move forward with joy and indeed delight for all that God wants to do. Our future cannot be defined by our past. But it's true that our old mindsets won't take us into our new adventures. What is the Lord inviting you to in the decade that lies ahead? Is your imagination up to par? Is your expectation up to speed? Is your hope stirred? Is your faith aroused? You see, we can sing all the songs about God moving and declare all the wonders of God, but God wants to partner with us and he starts that partnership by engaging us with a new mindset. We are going to need a new mindset for all that God wants to do in the decade that lies ahead. Let me give you a little example of that. Is there anybody in the room who's been slightly disappointed with life? I thought I heard an echo there. There are many witnesses in this room, Jesus. Have you found out that you don't happen to life? Life sometimes happens to you. Is there anybody that's been disappointed with relationships? Disappointed with God? Now, we were all doing our theological. But God sees the secret things of people's hearts. You know that, don't you? And he knows what's true about that statement. Here's the problem. We can sing our songs of joy and expectation, but if we're living in disappointment, we are not postured for all that God wants to do. Here's a little truth for you. Your disappointment will disappoint you from the appointment you have in this decade. God has an appointment for you. God is inviting you to partner with him so those appointments turn into something more than just wishful thinking. And your disappointment can disconnect or disappoint you from that appointment. And you know, church, what God wants to do is always greater than we expect him to. God always wants to do something far more than even our greatest and most noble dream or passion for his presence and purpose could ever, ever transpire. Turn with me, would you please, to Luke chapter 5. I just want to talk into this for a minute or two. And if we don't get through all of this tonight, at least we'll have started the journey of posturing our hearts and our minds towards all that God wants to do. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. You may think it's a strange scripture to pull out, but actually as I talk over it with you, you'll start to see it may have some relevance to us as we position ourselves for all that God wants to do. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Ganarestet, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, thank you Jesus, and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. I don't mind Jesus being in my boat and asked him to pull out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, thank you, Jesus, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. 
When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And when they came and filled their boats too with the fish, they also began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees and declared Jesus. He said these words to him, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now what's happening here is these professional fishermen have very little expectation. They've been out all night. You see, I think there are some people in this room, as we step towards this decade, we have very little expectation. In fact, I may be so bold as to suggest that you've decided not to have too much expectation because you didn't want too much disappointment. I remember years and years ago being on holiday with Jane and Emily. It was somewhere in Turkey or somewhere like that. And it was one of those evenings where the ladies are getting ready. Gentlemen, if you are anywhere around a lady who's getting ready, that can take a substantial period of time. And there was a gap between us being at the pool and a gap between us going out, which I thought would be something around half an hour, which turned into two and a half hours. So I sat out on the balcony. Yes, we were wealthy at the time. I sat out on the balcony overlooking the swimming pool and I began to talk to the Lord about certain things that were happening in my life. And I confessed to him that I was a little disappointed. Now, I thought he would rebuke me. I thought he would correct me, but to my surprise, this is what he said to me. Simon, the reason why you're so disappointed is you had such great expectation. He said, I love it that you have expectation. Keep expecting more. Don't decrease your expectation because your expectations hasn't fully been fulfilled, but keep expecting more. Do you know that if you're disappointed here tonight, as we step towards this decade, that disappointment could be robbing you of the things that God wants to do in your life? And here's the good news for you, as it was for me. If you're a little disappointed, you must have had some expectation. An expectation is a belief that God may do something in a particular way, otherwise known to us as faith. And God always rewards faith. He always rewards faith. So let us trade our sorrow let us trade our disappointment. Let us come before God with repentance and say, Father, this is the state of my heart, but I don't want to miss a single thing you want to do. Just like Peter, we may have been toiling all night long. We may think we were an expert in certain areas of spirituality, but the big difference in this decade is that you will recognize and I will realize that Jesus is in the boat with us. Jesus makes all the difference to what the outcome will be. Do you know, church, a period of lack does not determine the decade ahead of you? Because the immeasurable one has declared over you that he's going to bless you. God is going to pour out his incredible favor over your life. Do not let the enemy steal it from you because people have disappointed you. Have your nets ready. Now here's the problem in this story. They did not expect to be blessed to the measure that Jesus blessed them. And so consequently, when the blessing came, they weren't prepared for it. The nets were not strong enough. I want my nets to be so strong in the decade that lies ahead that when the abundance of God comes into my life, I don't lose a single thing that he wants to bless me with. 
I don't want my nets to be impoverished because they've been lying on the seashore, not active in the purpose of the plan of God. I want them to be robust and strengthened and prepared for all that God wants to do. I don't want my nets to break so that I lose out on what God has to offer me. And what are the nets in this story? Well, they're patterns of thought, internal perspectives that we all carry in our lives. The truth is, church, for some of us here tonight, if God were to answer the prayers we're praying, we would break under the weight of his blessing. God wants to prepare you for the decade that lies ahead. Let your nets be ready for the outpouring of his spirit. We want to be prepared for the blessing that's coming. We want to align our minds and expectations to the promises of God. We want to be prepared and ready for when the blessing turns up that our lives don't fall apart trying to hold it together. That's why Paul uses this phrase, now to him. Paul is saying you can't do these things by human strength. You will need to move away from self-reliance and start to put your trust in God. You know God who started a good work in you will carry it on until it's completed. And it doesn't matter what you've been through, what matters is who you're with. God is with you in the midst of this adventure ahead. Paul, Peter in the story, um, sorry, in Luke, falls on his knees and exclaims, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Now let me tell you what I see here. How many times have you prayed for blessing and God has brought blessing and then blessing has been a problem to you? Yes? Oh God, I would love to have a better job. And then you get your better job and you're complaining about your boss. Has anybody ever done that? Now tell the truth, you're in church. Oh God, I would love to have greater measures of, of uh, capacity to tell people about Jesus. And then you're irritated because everywhere you go, you seem to be in conversations where you have to talk about Jesus. You see, sometimes I think we pray for the blessings, but we're not prepared for the blessings. When the blessings come, don't ruin them by being critical about them. When God gives you what you're praying for, be as ready as you can be, get your nets ready, but actually don't open your mouth and destroy what it is that God has offered you. Let your mouth and your heart come into agreement that God is good and he's blessing you. God never blesses a complainer, did you know that? And I think I've become a professional one. I think I could teach on it. Is there anybody here who's slightly prone to complaining? Come on, tell the truth. It's very hard for you to experience the blessing of God when you're complaining about the blessing of God. You need to bring your mouth into alignment with your prayers. If God has blessed you, here's what I say as we prepare for the future. Get your nets ready. God is about to do something good. Amen? Make sure that they won't break under the fullness of his blessing. Whatever needs to change in your mind or in your heart, get yourself healed up and restored and ready and postured, full of faith for the decade that lies ahead. And when that blessing comes, do not let your mouth rob you of its fullest extent. Bring your mouth into alignment with the prayers that you've been praying and enjoy the blessing of the Lord. Enjoy the blessing of the Lord. So we have a need of a new mindset and then we need a renewed mandate. You see, it's impossible for me to speak on this passage and not be challenged. If you talk about the power of God, I should expect him to move in power. It's not enough for me anymore just to declare that God is able 
I long to see God turn up and show his manifest power and ability. I don't go to a restaurant and eat the menu. I come to eat a meal. And sometimes we're reading in the word God's power and God's capacity, but we have very little expectation that he's going to turn up in your life and my life and you use you extensively. It's this year where I believe we will need to come into partnership with that. We need to renew our mandate to align ourselves to the invitation of God to partner with him. What for? To see everything change. It's impossible to come to this text without our expectations being raised. I would suggest you read it over and over again and say, God, awaken me fully to this invitation. And it's impossible to come to it without our faith being encouraged. You see, when I think that God can do whatever he can do, and that's beyond my comprehension to fully understand, my problems pale into insignificance. In fact, if I fully understand the nature of the one who invites me into this kind of reality, there is no weapon that's fashioned against me that could ever prosper. And indeed, every problem I face is simply an invitation for an upgraded mindset on the reality of his nature and his character. Do you know, church, that in every problem you have a promise? And the promise-keeping one wants to open your life up in the midst of problems. This particular scripture reveals to us and unveils for us the greatness of God. It exposes us to a hope that is steadfast and sure. Now, I don't know what resolutions you've made. I've decided a number of years ago to resolve in my heart not to make any resolutions. I feel that by the time the 3rd of January comes, it's usually finished for me. How about you? How are we doing on our resolutions? How is that gym membership? I know so many people with gym memberships that never go. Well, God bless you. But you do know it doesn't work just by association, don't you? You don't know, you do realize because you have a tracksuit, you're not going to get fit, don't you? Now, I've met people, they buy all of the paraphernalia, they've got all of the, the regalia, but actually they never lift a weight. They never go to a gym, they never move off the sofa. And then they start praying that God will take the calories out of their food. Well, God bless you with that expectation. I would imagine very clearly and quickly you realize how futile it is. But you know, most of our resolutions are too small. Most people's resolutions are about stopping something. How about resolving in our hearts to dream extensively about the possibility of God changing everything? Do you want God to change your life? Let's resolve in our hearts that we will live expectancy for him to do so. Do you want God to help your family? Anybody here who needs God to turn up in their family, give me a wave, I'm with you. Now he's able, but are you available? And is your mindset in the right place? Are your nets ready? Are you willing to work with him to that end? See, I often used to say to God about my family, God, save them. Save them, God, save them. And he said to me one day, talk to them. Let's work this out together, Simon. You know, I always imagined God would just turn up and do something. He would, he would smite them with his mighty smiting power and all of the difficulties and protests that they have against his reality would fall to the ground. But actually, it's more glorious than that. He chooses to use us to be able to affect other people. Don't take your New Year's resolution and apply it to stopping something. Take your New Year's resolution and apply it to starting something. 
How about starting a few fires? Who would like to assign their resolve to starting a few revival fires in the decade that lies ahead? Who would like to assign their heart to a resolution of bringing hope into every environment that you stand in? Who would like to resolve in their heart that peace will rule and reign because the Prince of Peace rules and reigns over your life in every circumstance? Who would like to see God turn up in your workplace, in your marriage, in your family, in your community, in your recreation, and even in the gym? God even goes with you to the gym. Praise God. He is relentless in his pursuit of every part of our life. How about resolving in our hearts that we're going to see God forgive people's sins in this decade ahead? How about resolving in our hearts we're going to see him heal more people than we've ever seen healed before? That we're going to give ourselves over to the purpose of God to see the sick healed. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be a great resolution? How about this? How about resolving to destroy the works of the evil one? To partner with the Holy Spirit and the power of God to tear down strongholds and open up hope and joy in the hearts of individuals. How about working with the Spirit to kill off diseases and sicknesses and conditions? You know, in this decade, I'm going to go back after cancer. I believe that God wants me to go back after cancer. If you have a cancerous problem, then please come at the end. I'd love to pray for you because I've already decided I'm going after cancer. I'm resolving to take it down. Is that okay? That may sound a little bit arrogant. But if Jesus can heal people with cancer, and I've seen God do that, then why would I resolve just to keep away from chocolate? If God can raise the dead and heal the sick and save the lost, what is my greatest goal? That I lose a few pounds. It's time for the church to rise up, to start to apply what they believe to be true, and set some goals for the journey that lies ahead. How about us helping others get out of debt? I know there are many in this room who want to get out of debt themselves. Let's start with you. Let's resolve in our hearts that that will be our goal this year. To have financial freedom to be able to move and to go as God desires us to move and go. But how about a greater dream than just you being free from debt? How about you dreaming that others would be free from debt? Somebody somewhere has to start dreaming the dreams of God for cities and towns and people and communities and families. And I believe that God has given us that responsibility. How about moving from disappointment to the appointment which is placed over your life and that is to have life and life in all its fullness. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we think that the joyous life is found in a meeting. Do you know, I believe that God can turn up in every environment you're in and give you an unexplainable joy that carries you through some difficult times and absolutely offers to others hope. How about working with the Holy Spirit to help people with depression? To bring peace to those with anxiety? How about moving past self-pity or even rejection? So that we can bring the acceptance, the love, and the goodness of God to different hearts and different lives. Paul is not inviting us to give something up. He's inviting us to turn up and to allow God to do something glorious in that process. Paul is saying, God has power for you to live. He's got power for you to live. He's got power for the people around you to live. And he's got power for your community. He's got power for your family. God has got power to bring victory. God has got power to reveal his glory. Shall I keep going until somebody says amen? God's power is available to those who will work with him to ensure that his kingdom come. In Colossians 2 verse 
12, it says, For you who were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted in the mighty power of God. Is there anyone here who can still trust in the mighty power of God? If God has raised Christ from the dead, do you think he could raise your marriage from the dead? Do you think God could raise your children from their, their brokenness and, and disarray? Do you think God can move in your community? Come on, church. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, The message of the cross appears foolishness to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God unto salvation. Amen. The message is still powerful. Are you going to powerfully engage with it as you step towards this decade? Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. And 1 Corinthians 4 verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God, and this is my most important message this decade, is not a matter of words, but of power. Amen? God is able. And he's waiting for you to have a renewed mindset. Your Nets ready, your heart postured for all that he wants to do. He's also giving you this glorious invitation for a renewed mandate. The church was never intended by God just to be a bunch of people trying to get out of something. The church was always predestined to be a bunch of people bringing life to everything. It's time for us to take up that mandate afresh and to move into all that God wants to do. And finally... God wants to give us a great measure. Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, Now to him who is able, I think we have come to the conclusion he is, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. I think we know we need a new mindset. According to his great power that is at work in us, we also have this glorious mandate to be carriers of God's power and to release it. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Do you know the great measure of God is not that God just turns up here in our meeting or turns up out there, but actually every time his power turns up in our world, there is a capacity to change generations. When you're talking to somebody, when you're ministering to somebody, when you're praying for somebody who's sick, as you step towards this renewed mandate with a new mindset, I believe you're going to see a greater measure of the power of God at work in and through your life. God has somehow in his great wisdom subjected the advances of his kingdom to the partnerships he has with his people. Church, I implore you in the name of Jesus Christ to have great expectations for the decade that lies ahead. God is able.